Chapter 14 of We Were There at the Normandy Invasion by Clayton Knight. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Wayne Cook. Battle for Saint Sauveur. The idea of Captain Dolby's staff going away came as a shock to Andre. But, but he stammered. Captain Dolby and Weller consulted maps and papers. At last the captain sat back and lit a cigarette. "'You've seen Father Dupre? Uh, what did he have to tell you?' he inquired mildly. "'Not uh, good news, sir,' André replied. "'But uh, nothing especially bad. Uh, I wish my family could get home,' he said irritably. Captain Doby cocked an eyebrow. "'I wish they could, too,' he said. "'And as long as I'm responsible here, maybe you'd like to tell me why you went off with that pilot in his plane.' This unexpected shift— Andre flushed. "'You did not tell me not to, sir,' he said shyly. "'I did not tell you not to ride an elephant to Afghanistan, either,' the captain retorted. "'How could I know you had any intention of flying over the enemy?' "'I did not know it myself,' Andre could not help smiling. "'It just happened?' "'Well, you're lucky to be back.' "'I don't suppose it really matters if I turn Gray worrying about you,' said the captain. A bark from Pachu in the kitchen gave André an excuse to bolt away. Although Captain Doby's colonel had ordered the post moved closer to the fighting, the change would not come until other units were in position. During the next couple of days André's mind turned more and more toward saint Sevier. If he could only go forward with Doby and Weller and Slim to be near when that town was liberated. Mother French children were in the battle zone, and, after all, he had been under fire himself. Saint-Sevier, Weller explained, was directly in the path of the Americans who were hammering through to the coast to keep the Germans from sending help to the fortress of Cherbourg. The Ninth Division and their own 82nd Airborne were working together in this drive for the showdown. Weller came home from an errand to the beach on Tuesday the 13th, whistling gaily, off-key. "'Good news?' Andre asked. Weller replied, "'Tops. We wiped the Nazis out of that gap between Utah and Omaha beachheads. Now we can roll. And boy, you ought to see our new Utah airstrip. Planes going to London out of there like fairies with the wounded.' Captain Doby, talking to his colonel on the phone, hung up, looking cheerful. The towns along the Metaray River seem to be pretty well mopped up, he reported. We hold the bridges, so on the way to the Duve River's clear now. Later that day, Weller made a fast trip to the new command post. He came back to report that a small stone farm building near a crosswords north of Pont Noble had been found for Captain Doby. We got up pair of new lieutenants taking the places of a couple that got wounded, Weller said. Good fighters, these replacements, Dornfargel and Orvarsky. André grew more silent as the captain's leaving day drew near. Saint-Sauveur was to André a pretty little town where his family were. As each day went by, he felt more anxious about his mother, and finally he decided he must follow Doby and look for her. On the last evening, Captain Doby said, I'm leaving Slim here for a few days on orders, Andre. 
He'll be in touch with me, so send us word if anything is wrong. Weller echoed, Yeah, you do that, kid, and you just tend to the cows and mind what Father Dupre says. Andre was up and the house astir before sunrise next morning. Maps, papers, and duffel were stacked waiting in the hallway when Slim appeared at the door and announced, Jeep's ready, Captain. This was the bad moment for Andre. Dolby hobbled out to the jeep and Weller followed. Several of the neighbors, including Father Dupre and Victor, had come to say goodbye. Pachu kept up a nervous barking, shocked by the departure of friends, until Andre put an arm around him. Over the noisy complaint of the jeep's motor, Captain Dolby thanked all those gathered for their help, and he asked that thanks be given to the gangons. I'll see you all again, he smiled, clutching at his seat as the jeep leapt forward. And up to the overhanging chestnut trees rang the cries of Viva l'Amérique and Vive la Capitaine d'Aubay. The last André heard was Weller's voice bellowing, Viva la Frenchman! The silence of the house, as the sun slid over the trees, was numbing. Madame Lescaut arrived to break this up, equipped with an armload of cleaning things. This place resembles a pigsty, she announced. Madame Gagnon must not see such a mess. Please uh, cause yourself to be absent. Slim hurriedly remembered a job to be done. Andre pushed Pachu hastily out of doors and went to milk the cows. He had just put the milk to cool when Madame Lescaut hailed him from the kitchen door. Breakfast, she called. When Slim and Andre drew up to the table, Madame Lescaut produced a breakfast of army supplies she had found on a shelf. It is not my business, she said shortly, to complain about God's behavior, but I cannot help believing he has encouraged the American army to habits of extravagance. Do you leave good food behind wherever you go? When this was translated into English, Slim laughed. No, ma'am, he said emphatically. This army eats everything it lays its hands on. Well, it's just repaying the Nongs for use of their house, I guess. After breakfast, Slim called for Andre and the trumpet. Fitted in between his duties, Slim gave Andre more lessons in American tunes. The old house trembled under the blasts. In the midst of one of Slim's Texas songs, an ambulance full of wounded from the fighting at Sansevier drew up and stopped. The driver had a message about Captain Doby. Cam's got himself shot in the shoulder, he reported. Andre and Slim froze. The driver added as he started on, Couldn't get him to come away and be evacuated home with these other guys. What's well it do in letting the skipper get shot? Slim exclaimed. Best I get up there quick, now. Andre decided to get up there, too. He could surely get far enough to trace Marie, and perhaps find some clue as to where his father and mother were. Late that evening of D-Day plus nine, Weller returned to pick up Slim. Come on, Corporal, he shouted. The captain needs you. Looks like we'll take Saint-Sauvier in a couple of days, he told Andre. Then, as soon as we're cut through the coast, the big push up to Cherbourg starts off. Won't be long now. Take care of yourself, kid. The two waved from the jeep. Be seeing you, they called. Andre answered, We, oui, yes, I think so, soon. Because of his own plans, Slim's departure did not leave Andre quite so lonely as he might have been. The question of how 
to get near Sansevier was the problem. André thought he might ask some pleasant-looking officer for a lift. He might. In the end, it was Victor who solved things very simply. The Lescaux's married daughter's home had been burned out. She had just sent word that she was at a farm on Picaville, a hamlet just outside Pont-Larve. The message begged her father to come, please, and get her. In the morning after Slim's departure, Victor arrived at the Gagnon's door with La Flume and the cart, explained his journey to André. But, André cried, I must go with you, Victor. You cannot speak English any better than you did when we went to Jacques. That is true enough, Victor admitted. Good, I go. I translate when soldiers try to stop you, André announced. It is a good idea, Victor agreed. Well then, André cried. The cows, Victor chided. André paused. Raoul, he suggested, do you think he would milk them? Most certainly, and steal the milk equally certainly, Victor said. I'll ask him, André decided. Wait, please. I will wait. Victor sat impatiently in the cart and polished his glasses while André raced across the field. Ten minutes later, André was back. Raoul had agreed, and La Fume was plodding steadily toward Saumer and the clatter and shriek of gunfire. Crouching under a blanket André's feet lay Pachou. De Guignon's house stood silently empty for the first time in weeks. About noon, a black motorcycle rode to a stop beside the Gangong pump. Marie, in dark slacks and a man's cap similar to the driver's, dismounted. The house looks empty, Leon, she said with alarm in her voice. She pushed open the door and yelled, André! There was no answer. She entered the empty hallway. Hurriedly, she ran through the house in a panic and returned to the door. He is not here, Leon, she cried. The house is empty. Even Pachu is gone. Leon looked at her calmly. Perhaps you are not the only adventurous one in the family, he laughed. Aghast at the thought of André wandering who knows where, Marie paused. He did hope he had a letter from Maman telling us where the hospital had moved to. And now I don't even know what has happened to André, she cried. She looked wildly around the village. Darting between passing trucks, she came to Lescaux's kitchen. A few minutes later, she returned to Leon, breathless. André has gone off towards Sansevier with Victor, she explained. Perhaps we can catch up with them on the road to Pont-le-Bain. We must hurry. The black motorcycle shot off in the direction of Saint-Mer. End of chapter 15